0: One of the things that i believe becomes clear when reading the prophets is that while human governments are a reality in human civilization and society it has never been god's ideal that the leaders of such human governments their kings be high above the people in ancient judaism as revealed in the old testament there were effectively three branches or rather offices that headed the nation the prophet The priest and the king and the king was not at the top of the hierarchy ultimately neither were the prophets or the priests god was and is above all and while the king would be the figurehead of the people and the leader for protection and defense of the nation he was not to be in any sense supreme the king under jewish law was under god and chosen from among the people And the king was to be governed by the same law as everyone else. In fact, the king had additional regulations that were for the king only. And the king, as basically a first order of kingly business, was to copy for himself his own personal copy of the law of God as he sat before the priests and the religious ruling body of the Levites. This is all recorded in the 17th chapter of Deuteronomy. And when you read that, you will find that the king was to be Governed by God, which incidentally is one of the meanings of the name Israel. It it means governed by God. The king was to copy the law and he was to read it all the days of his life. And he was to be careful to observe all the words and the statutes of the law. And he was to read the law in this way so that his heart would not be lifted up above his brethren. The king was to be from among the people and to be on the same level as the people, not above them, not supreme. This is because ultimately God is the one that is above all. It is God who is supreme. Now, it is true that this theocratic monarchy is not the government that we live under. We don't live under this in the West. And I'm certainly not promoting or advocating that we ought to return to it. But there are some things to consider when looking at the scriptures and what they have to say about how nations or people ought to be governed. The king was to be governed by God and ruled by God's law as he was leading and governing the people. In the midst of this, the priests would lead the people in the worship of God and teach the people so that they would understand what God's word and law was for them. And there was to be a clear division between the priestly role and the priestly tribe, the tribe of the Levites, And the kings and their role, the royal line, there was to be a clear separation and division between the priest and the king. Into this, you would find also the prophets like the prophet Isaiah, who would be those who would call to both the kings and to the people and sometimes to the priests as well. And he would call them to maintain a right walk before God to keep his law. And when the king or the people or the religious establishment would get out of line, the prophets would speak prophetically, calling the people back, calling them to repent. Now, again, we do not live in ancient Israel or under a theocracy. So you might think, well, this doesn't really apply to us, but not so fast. Yes, the United States and other Western societies are not under theocratic rule. And I'm not Expecting or desiring that they would be. But for the nation that I live in, the United States of America, since 1956, the official motto of the USA is In God We Trust. Now, that may be a hard one for a growing number of Americans, but it still is the motto of our country. From many nations, we have come together as one people, one nation under God. There is no king that is supreme in the United States. But it is also true that the executive branch is not supreme and Congress is not supreme. Even the Supreme Court is not supreme. You may say, well, of course, the government is not supreme. It is the people that are supreme because we are a government for the people and by the people. But even the people in this nation are not supreme. All of these, the people, the courts, the Congress, the executive branch, they're all supposed to be one nation under God. And any whether in Israel in the 8th century BC or the United States 28 centuries later, anytime time that the people fail to recognize that all of our leaders are ultimately supposed to be under God's rule and authority, well, then we're, we're headed for trouble. It is always in that situation where the prophetic voice comes in to call the people back to a proper acknowledgement of the proper order of things. In Isaiah chapter 7, that's exactly what is happening. The nation of Israel in Isaiah chapter 7 is facing serious challenges. Between the end of Isaiah chapter 6 and the beginning of Isaiah chapter 7, there's a substantial time gap. Isaiah chapter 6 began with the death of King Uzziah. But by the time we get to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 1, the grandson of King Uzziah, a man named Ahaz, he is king. So at the very least, some 15 or 16 years has passed, probably more than that. Isaiah gives virtually no time to the rule of Uzziah's son, Jotham. He just goes right to the time of Ahaz. And as Isaiah chapter 7 begins, Ahaz is king and he is facing fairly extreme difficulties. Ahaz and the people he ruled in Judah are facing an attack from the Syrians, led by a king by the name of Rezin, and Also, an attack that was coming from the cousins of the people of Israel in the southern tribes of Judah and Benjamin, they're facing an attack from the northern kingdom of Israel by a king named Pekah. So Pekah and Rezin are joined together in a confederacy to come against their own brothers and sisters of the northern tribes down in Judah. And Isaiah chapter 7 says that the heart of Ahaz and the hearts of the people of Judah were moved as the trees of the woods are moved by the wind. They were shaken by this. This was a big deal. It was a time of testing for King Ahaz to see how he would respond to the adversity that he was facing, how he would lead in the midst of that. And in this, the prophet Isaiah steps in to address the king because the king was not above the people. He was to be answerable to God. So the prophet comes to speak to him and the prophet steps in to call the king to faith in God and faithfulness to God even in the face of challenges and difficulties. Oftentimes that is the essence of the prophetic call. Trust in God and remain faithful to him no matter the circumstances. The prophet does not come in and say to the king or to the people, I command you to do X, Y, and Z, but the prophet does call the people to faith and faithfulness to God. Often he does so by interrogating the people, asking them, are you living in accordance with the law? Are you trusting in God? And if the answer is no, then the prophet calls the people back to trust, back to obedience. And he announces to the people that if they do obey, then they will be blessed. But if they don't, then they will be cursed. This isn't new. This is the consistent call of the prophets. Now, I am no prophet, nor am I, as they say, the son of a prophet, And I am highly suspicious of any person that says that they are a prophet. Additionally, biblically speaking, I don't see there being prophets today as there were 2,800 years ago in Israel. That said, I can say with certainty, after having studied the scriptures for decades, the issues facing our culture in 2021 have some similarities to the issues that Ahaz was facing 2,800 years ago. And the word provided by Isaiah then is applicable today. Trust in God and obedience to his ways and his word will bring ultimate blessing. But failure to do so will always result in continued chaos and disaster. If this, then that. The rules haven't changed. Something to think about. We'll see you next time.